The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Have you ever found weird things in a vagina? Have you found yourself needing multiple partners to fulfill your desires? Hey guys, I'm Dr. Jacqueline Walters, a board-certified OBGYN. It is so important that we know how and when to ask the right questions, whether you're in front of your doctor or just hanging out with your good girlfriends. Now, I wanted to create Dr. Jackie's point of view because sometimes you need to just hear the unfiltered good old Dr. Jackie. I will inspire, uplift, and educate women and men on the who, what, when, and where of things we balance daily. Make sure you subscribe to Dr. Jackie's Point of View and tune in every Thursday. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. Haley, I'm so excited for this conversation with Dr. Aliza today. I need to say first to all of our listeners, to all of our followers, to any, all my friends and family, thank you so much for just the outreach of support that's happened over the past couple of weeks. I... I'm so touched. I am so blessed. And I could not imagine a better community. So if you haven't listened to my story, go listen to it. But for all of you that reached out, anyone having a hard time, we're here. And I had no idea the degree of impact that episode would have. And so my heart feels so full. So thank you guys. It's the best way to go into Thanksgiving. And we are so excited about today's conversation. She needs no introduction at all. Today, we're talking to Dr. Lisa Pressman. She's the host of Raising Good Humans podcast. She's a developmental psychologist, a parent coach, and a mom to two kids herself. She is the parenting guru of all parenting gurus and has devoted her career to really just empowering all types of parents and caregivers to help us feel good about the choices we make. We could listen to her all day long. Today's conversation, we talk about everything from why our kids melt down after school and how to handle it to why we should actually aim to be a C parent and get things right 75% of the time and not necessarily more. Whether you're a parent to a tot or a teen, this is a must listen and you will leave this one feeling confident, empowered, and just calm. All of that is so true. Tyler and I watch her stories on Instagram and we're like, this is so good. (laughs) And I just feel better about parenting and myself and everything. We learned so much from her during this conversation, and we really hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Trust us, you do not want to miss a minute of this one. And if you enjoy it, we'd love for you to share the podcast with any friends or family. You're our village, and we love being here every week with you. Dr. Lisa, you are just so amazing. You have no idea how thrilled we are to have you today. I've I'll never forget the first time I actually heard you speak. It was on Whitney Port's podcast when it first came out, All About Parenting. And you just have this unbelievable ability to be so practical. Like you get this practical knowledge without any judgment, but you really allow so much room for individual parenting styles that you can zoom out also to this big picture. So you're explaining like why we're doing what we're doing. Because I think so much in parenting, it can just be so hard day to day and so difficult that we sometimes forget to zoom out of why we're doing this. So you're so nurturing and knowledgeable, and we're just so excited for this conversation today. 
That is so nice. And it's my goal. I don't know if I hit that goal, but I really appreciate that. You definitely, you definitely have a great job at it. So let's just start off at the top. Just tell us a little bit about your journey. How, how'd you know this was your passion? And just tell us about Seedlings Group. It's just funny because my daughters who were being charming this morning (laughs) were, (laughs) I don't know, some weird thing happened and they were like, but you're a professional parent. And I'm like, stop saying that. (laughs) That's their like thing to needle me. But what I really got interested in parenting and child development before I had kids because I think many people who go into any field in psychology probably go into it because they're curious about how we become who we are. And maybe I won't speak for other people, but I think when you've experienced different interesting ways of growing up, makes you kind of wonder about things or that's how it was for me. And so I just was doing... I wasn't really, I didn't know that I was interested in anything to do with psychology or children until I accidentally took a class and I just fell in love with it. I was just like, oh my God, there's so much cool stuff that makes us who we are that's not just our DNA. And then I started to become more obsessed with like, okay, so there's stuff we can't control. So let's not even, let's be curious about it and then not worry. And there's stuff that's in our control. And so I was more curious about what is the impact of the stuff in the environment that is in our control. And the only thing is ourselves. So that kind of got me excited. And then I was pregnant while I was writing my dissertation. And I was pregnant at the same time as someone who had finished a couple of years ahead of me and was a really good friend of mine. We kept calling each other. And we were like, how cool if you could have like a mother's circle, but there was someone who knew the research and could kind of be a guide, but without pretend, like no sense that there's no reality. Because of course we were going through it. And then I just had an agreement with myself not to work in an area with kids that was over the age that I had kids so that I would always have like a practical approach because I started in adolescence before I went to early childhood. Anyway, that's kind of where I got to working with parents and having mother circles. And then it just kind of grew from there. Oh, I love that so much. And the world needs more of this. So it's it's good that you're doing it. And we have so, so many questions. I, I think I guess I want to start with, so I have three kids. I have a three-year-old who's who's my oldest. And then we have a two-year-old and we have a one-year-old. I still can't believe you have a three-two-one. That's incredible. I know. I feel like Bless you. we need to do something with that. It's a, it just sounds cool right now until December. But our three-year-old just started school and she's like, she is like such a good kid, really, truly. But of course, she's a normal kid and she acts out. So she'll go to school right now and she'll be so good for her half day of school. And then she'll come home and she'll act out. And everyone says at school, like, oh my gosh, she's the best. And, you know, all our friends are like, she's so sweet. And then she comes out and then I get, you know, the other side of it, <laughs> which isn't even that bad. But what it, what's some language that we can use in these moments when they're acting out? Well, I mean, I, you, you probably know this, but I'll say it anyway, because it's good to hear all over and over. That's a good sign usually. I mean, barring, an, you know, some unusual situation when you hear that you want to hear that your kid is 
doing what they need to be doing in school and with their friends and that you're like the one that they feel safe enough to act out with. So that's a good thing, even if it's frustrating. The reverse would be so, so much more of a red flag if they're like perfect around you and then the only safe place they have to act out is in school or with their friends. So that's good. <laughs> it doesn't make it feel that's better. But if you remind that's yourself great. in that moment before you, before you use any language with your daughter to, to remind yourself, this is because she's safe. I'm doing a great job. <laughs> My daughter feels <laughs> safe. And then it'll give you just like that space between being really frustrated with whatever it is that she's doing and having a response to it because you'll have taken the time to just say like, okay, this is what she's supposed to be doing. Okay, now what's my job? I, I, I know she's safe. We've checked that box. And now maybe there's just some quiet waiting for her to, you know, do whatever it is that she's doing and then let her know what you're noticing. You're, you need to run around a lot or your body feels really frustrated or, you know, just almost like a non-judgmental observation of what she's doing. And let's see if I can help you with what you need without getting into like a battle to prove to her that she's misbehaving. Because of course that just makes her up the ante and then you just get into a giant battle. And then if she's still just like losing it, there's also a totally reasonable time to say, seems like you need some space. I'll be here when you're finished. Mm -hmm. You're not like punishing or walking away. You're just saying like, looks like you need to get your, you know, stuff out. Why yeah. is it that when they do come home and do that, why does that happen? I mean, for a few reasons. One, truly they feel safe acting out typically. Again, there's atypical situations that are clinical and that's not what we're talking about here. But typically it means they're safe. And they have not felt, it's not that they felt unsafe all day. It's just that they know that the expectations are not, they're not unconditional experiences they're having with their friends and their teachers. They have to follow certain rules and regulations and courtesies in order to not get kicked out or be rejected or whatever. But with, you know, home, hopefully, you know, you're not getting kicked out or going to get rejected for your behavior, or at, at least in the world that we can imagine, our children feel safe emotionally, that they can be however they're going to be. And you're not going to be like, you know what? I didn't want a kid like this. You're out. And so that's the first reason. And the other reason is they're tired because they had to, it's so hard. Preschool is such a funny thing because everybody leaves preschool kind of saying, I don't know why I'm using these generalizations, but that's my mood today, apparently. <laughs> but many people leave preschool and they're like, my kid doesn't do anything. Like all they did today was learn how to put their coat on or sit in circle time. But that takes a tremendous amount of executive function skills and focus and self-control and all of those things that, that are hard on a young brain. And you have to pay so much attention in the order of the day and what's your job and things that seem like, oh, my kid only played today. They had to play with other people and figure out how to not totally, you know, blow it and lose it and all of the things that you have to do and follow the rules and remember the order of where they're supposed to sit and when they're supposed to eat and where to put their chair. And there's so much they're doing in that little tiny period so that by the time they're out of there, they're usually exhausted emotionally and physically. So, of course, we all, when we're exhausted emotionally and physically you know, that's, that's our time. 
So I think it's that combined with knowing that you're in a safe place to kind of lose it. And then just physically, they've been confined. So a lot of kids just need to be able to move afterwards and not have the structure of school. Yeah. Like we talked about in last week's episode, screen time is just something that's going to happen with our kids and not all screen time is created equal. And so one of my favorite things to do with Bryce is to listen to podcasts because it's a way to just kind of expand his mind and really get into it. So from the creators of the number one podcast for curious kids and their grownups, Wow in the World, comes a new intergalactic musical podcast featuring traveling blogging aliens, Flip and Mozzie. They set their sights on Earth when their spaceship makes an emergency crash landing. Now that they have to wait 3,000 years for an interstellar tow truck to arrive, Flip and Mosey spend their time traveling all over planet Earth, meeting different animal species as they try to learn how to be an Earthling. Featuring new original music by Grammy-nominated artists, the pop-ups join them every week for a new musical adventure as Flip and Mozzie bring the conservation into the conversation for both kids and grown-ups. This podcast is so unbelievably adorable. I love it because Bryce is really into outer space right now and he gets to just learn science in such a creative and amazing way. And so we are so excited about this podcast and know you guys are going to enjoy it as much as we do. It is the perfect thing to listen to in the car or when you just have a couple minutes with your kids or you just need them to be distracted while you do the dishes. You can listen to the episodes of Flip and Mozzie's Guide to How to Be Earthlings everywhere right now or ad-free and one week early by subscribing to Wondery Plus Kids in Apple Podcasts or Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or one week early on Amazon Music. Go check it out. You all know now that memories just mean so much to me. And I just don't think it was until, I just don't think I looked at it the way that I looked at it over the past year of just the power of a photo to capture memories and just the importance of getting into photos with our kids. I mean, we all know how powerful memories can be. We take a gazillion photos per day on our phone of our kids and then scroll through them when our kids go down. But I've found that I just get so overwhelmed by the volume of photos on my phone and they're just so left, they're left unorganized. And so when I really step back, I want those memories laid out for Bryce and my family in an organized way. And Artifact Uprising has helped us do just that. And we love having them as a sponsor so that we can get you all a discount code on their amazing products that we love so much. So Artifact Uprising makes premium photo books, framed photos and gifts that help you tell the stories you care most about. All of their products are designed beautifully with thoughtfully sourced materials. They're all made in the U.S. and can be customized in the cutest of ways. We've both been using Artifact Uprising for years now to capture all our memories in a meaningful way. I actually discovered them when I was printing pictures for my wedding And I finally just finished another photo book for Bryce of his toddler years, which is amazing. Being able just to watch how much he's grown over the short period of time and flourished in a time when it's been really challenging to say the least is so powerful. It's a gift for both of us. And just seeing his face as he looks through it is priceless. And just like all of their products, it's display worthy. Seriously, if you just saw what this product looks like, you would purchase it. All of their photos, all of everything is just gorgeous. 
I have customized gifts for my family. My parents still have it hung up in their house. Trust us, if you saw any of their products, you would literally purchase them right now. They are gorgeous. I give them as gifts. My parents still have them hung up in their home. Just these personalized gifts that are just so amazing and capture the thing that's most important, memories. So don't hesitate on this one. Go to Artifact Uprising to check out all their amazing products to store the most precious memories. For a limited time, our listeners can get 15% off your Artifact Uprising order with the code MEANINGFUL15. So go to artifactuprising.com slash meaningful with two L's to purchase. Don't forget those two L's. That makes me think of what, what you just said about previously, like if they come home and lose it and you just, you can let, you can just tell them that you're there and kind of just sit there and, and that you're there and you're not leaving them, but you can kind of let them have that moment. I think that's a good segue into parenting styles. Mm -hmm. You did this reel the other day that I loved where you were just talking about authoritative parenting and that kids who have parents that have an authoritative style, just have more positive social, emotional, and cognitive outcomes long-term. So what does this parenting style look like? And is there kind of anything we can do in real time to kind of check ourselves to see if we are parenting in an authoritative way? Yes, there, there are checks, which I think is cool. So first, I would say, this is if you're into this parenting style, but there's lots of different personalities that can fit into it. And I say that so that you could, like, you can be a loud, yell, yelling enthusiastic person or a quiet, chill person. It does. It's not a personality thing, but parenting style in the literature is about, there are three styles. There are actually four. One is neglectful, but you're obviously not listening to a parenting podcast <laughs> if you fall into that bucket. So we don't need to go over that. You, you probably get it. But then the other styles are measured in, so one side is sensitivity and one side is demandingness. And demandingness is just uh, it just means boundaries, expectations, anything that feels like the strict stuff. And authoritative parenting has a, a nice scale, balanced scale of both of those things. Authoritarian is high on that demandingness dimension, like controlling and because I said so, and very low on sensitivity. And the scale goes the other way with permissive parenting where you're so sensitive, almost like a best friend but really have trouble setting limits and being uncomfortable with your child's, or rather you are uncomfortable with your child's distress at those limits. So authoritative parenting is that sort of middle ground that we're talking about. And when you have a situation, any situation, you can look at that as sort of a, a North Star and you can say, am I being sensitive to my child's developmental needs and who they are? And am I also giving very predictable, appropriate boundaries? If so, I'm being an authoritative parent. How you go about doing that and what you say and what you do is not so important. It's really just those are the big picture, like those are the two things to check in about. And then you've got that. And if you're, you know, to, to pitch it a little bit more, authoritarian parents tend to have kids who are great liars. They might be really good at following rules in front of you, but they are better at getting past those rules behind your back. And oh, that's so if, if any of you had authoritarian parents, you know, or you're married to one, 
you know they know that they would rather not get in trouble. So they're going to figure out a different way around it, but they're not going to not do something. That's the thing. It's not going to stop any, unless you have like an interesting fit where you have a kid who's pretty anxious and they're like, I'll, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to do anything. And that might be the case. But then there's a whole question of like, is that the relationship that you want, a fear-based relationship? And the answer may be yes for some people. And then on the other side of it, permissive best friend parenting, that feel that can feel really good and connected and connection is everything. And also it doesn't feel safe because you need to know that your parents at a certain point when you're pushing them, they are a wall that's not going to crumble. And so if you are just permissive and just sensitive to their needs and aren't comfortable when there is discomfort on their part, and so you move your boundaries each time, then they don't feel like there's a leader. And then you get a lot of outcomes like anxiety and internalizing stuff. And so interestingly, you have these, well, everybody's well-meaning to, of course, when nobody goes into parenting, like I want to, <laughs> I want to mess this kid up, but you definitely can have the most connected relationship and the safest bet for good outcomes with that authoritative parenting style. It's the whole idea of like boundaries being loving when they're yes. used in the appropriate way. Boundaries are how we feel loved and we can do it in a very nurturing way where we can kind of have that that desire for that control, right? That can come from boundaries, but it's just doing it in a in a loving, sensitive way, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and that can take a lot of work. If, for example, you associate boundaries with not love, like somebody who is rejecting you a lot, you might be afraid to hold boundaries with your kids because it might remind you of when you were a kid and you wanted something and you were not getting seen or heard and it wasn't appropriate. It wasn't actually a good boundary. It was just you were being rejected. So a lot of this is our work to just check in with how we feel in those moments. And it's hard to see your kid unhappy. It's very natural to not want your kid to be miserable. And also they're probably going to be miserable a lot if you're, you know, telling them that bedtime is at a certain time or that they can't climb on the chandelier. Those are things that might disappoint them. And when they learn early that you are okay being sitting there while they're disappointed, that it's not going to throw you into an emotional tizzy because you're like, yeah, this is also part of the beautiful you know, ups and downs of life, then you grow up to be a person who isn't so thrown off by those distressed feelings. So it is a win, win for everybody, but it's hard if you didn't grow up with that. And I will say like most people, when you think about, I mean, nobody falls into one bucket. I'm probably more permissive some days and some moods and more authoritarian other days. But on balance, if you're trying to, to get it, to some sort of authoritative center, then at least you're aware of it and you have a goal in mind that you'll blow some of the time. But we don't need to get it all right all the time. So really, if it's just like most of the time you check in, did I hold appropriate boundaries? Was I sensitive to my child's needs? You're doing great. Oh, I love that. And I've never heard it kind of broken down like that. And as someone that grew up without clear boundaries, it is... get that. I look back and I'm like, wow, I didn't feel safe. And I had to learn a lot the hard way. I had to learn it on my own. I kind of had to find my own little path and, and figure it out on my own, which again, I did. And, and I'm probably me because of it. And, and I did have wonderful parents, but, but that's just something I'm sure 
they were trying to be my friend and trying to to find that balance. And it's so hard, especially now that I am a parent. Is there something that you could encourage parents with to say, I mean, I know you kind of just did, but that yes, boundaries are good. And, and like, this is one step that you could do to setting a boundary. I like to say, but I say it so much, it's so cheesy now, but I really do think it's another check-in that you can say, which is all feelings are welcome. All behaviors are not. That's a boundary. Mm. Love that. You actually couldn't say that too many times because I think that is, <laughs> that, that's really the key to parenting, right? I say this all the time and we'll probably talk about this on your podcast, but with feeding, there's so many boundaries that, that need to be held up, but there are such loving boundaries. Like Mm -hmm. that's actually how our kids feel safe to explore food. And you can kind of, I always look at feeding as like this little microcosm that happens so frequently throughout the day, but you can take so many of the skills that you learn there and start to piece them around and just... I think when we kind of internalize that we know boundaries aren't bad and we can do them in a loving way and that's actually where safety comes from, I really think that's the key for us to all strive to be better parents. And, you know, I'm so, and I do think feeding is like the time that tests everybody because you want to bend either more controlling or way less control. You know, there's just so much that goes into it and everybody has their own stuff. But it is a great exercise also to just think about how you were parented and what those feelings mean for you. And when your parents were able to, if they were able to hold boundaries and when your parents were sensitive, if they were able to be sensitive and what that felt like. So that if you aren't familiar with it, or if you are confused, you you can keep practicing. And then also, I think it's important to acknowledge like what you said about, but you, you had great parents and you turned out like part of who you are is because of that style of parenting, I wouldn't want to criticize or knock anybody's experience because for many of us, that's how we became who we are for all of us, actually, that is how we became who we are. And there, you know, there's also temperament and how you fit with the style of experience that you had and, and how did it go for you? And so for some people, it went really well, even if it wasn't in the books an ideal situation. And, and so I, I just want to acknowledge it because there's so much pressure for parents to get it right. And the only reason I even break down parenting style is because it feels incredibly broad and flexible within that definition of authoritative, which again is Diane Bomerins. It's not mine. It's a, it's been around for decades. I want no, I get no credit for that. (laughs) we're not going to be this perfect authoritative parent even 90% of the time or no. 80%. It's not going to be that way, but it's, and I think giving ourselves permission, you were talking about this the other day of just, there's all of this pressure that's just put on us that all of these moments feel like we have to be perfect with our kids in these moments. Cause there's all this information around us now. And it's really overwhelming when you open up Instagram and it's yeah. like, do this, not this, yeah. say this, not this. It is. I have a bee in my bonnet about it because <laughs> it's so true. I just am like, wait, how is anybody? And and it's hard when you're in this field because you don't want to feed a beast, but I, I do want to be helpful. I think we all want to be helpful, but there is a lot of do this, not that. And you could do whatever you want. It's just figure out what feels good for you and your parenting goals and everything else is irrelevant because it doesn't work for you if it doesn't feel good for you. 
And also you don't have to get it 90, 80, 70. You really just want to like think, here's my, yeah, here's what I'm aiming for. I need to get a C. I just need a C. Because then on balance, for the majority of the time, you're doing what needs to be done and what you intended. And the rest, of course, it's ridiculously impossible. And so, and we're lucky, like in most things in life, that's a C is not a goal. Right. <laughs> but right. It, but in this case, it's it serves you and it serves your kids. Because if you had a perfect exactness to your parenting all the time, your children would feel this weird pressure to be perfect. So I actually really encourage parents to embrace the C of it, you know, like the 75% of the time and then just throwing out the rest, not just because it's realistic, but also because it's good for your kids. As much as we love enjoying the holidays through our little one's eyes, we always love a good gift too, especially when it comes to something to just relax. I know that I cannot get enough of R&R right now. So Printfresh makes the cutest and most comfortable luxury sleepwear from PJs to robes and slippers. We posted a picture a couple of weeks ago on our Instagram and so many of you reached out saying, those are so adorable. I need them. So because they are a sponsor of the podcast, as a listener, you get a special discount code. With the holidays virtually here, cannot believe it. We're loading up on PJs and sleepwear, matching sets for our families, for our little ones to give as gifts. So Printfresh has you covered for all of your sleepwear needs. I got their fuzzy robe and matching PJ set and I'm just obsessed with it. The fabric is incredible. It is just soft, fuzzy flannel, and it's just light and cozy at the same time. It's heavenly. And when I see their prints, they are just so colorful and they bring a smile to my face. You know, we love a good female owned and operated brand and they're inclusive in their sizing with sizes ranging from extra small petite to 6X and they have sets for men and women. They've got the cutest new holiday prints, these limited time holiday bundles, free and fast shipping, and they also have gift cards. So if you can't decide, you can get a gift card or if you need a last minute gift, like I always do, you can get a gift card. And they're offering an amazing deal for our listeners. Head to printfresh.com and use code living for 15% off your first order. That's printfresh.com code living for 15% off your order. Go get your holiday shopping done now or purchase yourself a little something for some self-care. You all know we all love new things coming to the country music world. And there's a new original podcast you all need to check out. Country Heat Weekly, hosted by Kelly Sutton and Amber Anderson, brings the beloved playlist to life. Every Thursday, Kelly and Amber deliver the vibrant world of country music right from Music Row in the heart of Nashville. They'll entertain you with today's top tracks, talk to music legends, and upcoming stars, reflecting the energy, stylistic range, and diversity of today's country. And they'll be spilling that sweet tea about what's happening on the Nashville scene. Lucky for me, Nashville is such a fun town to live in with so much always going on. It can be hard to keep up, but this podcast is definitely a way to get the scoop on all things happening. So turn up the volume and get the hottest country on Amazon Music's Country Heat Weekly today. Kelly also hosts the Amazon Music's Country Heat Radio in DJ mode, and Kelly and Amber are now breaking down the most popular songs, bringing you the latest news in country radio and connecting with some extremely talented country music stars. It's really like a backstage pass to all things country music, and we're so excited for it and know you'll all love this one. 
They just released an episode about the behind the scenes of the CMAs, which Tyler and I were able to attend to as our date night a couple weeks ago and had so much fun catching up with our friends, watching the amazing performances. So definitely take a listen to hear all about what it was like. So find out and follow Country Heat Weekly on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Country Heat Weekly on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Haley, that just reminds me of what we always say, which is it's never too late for a repair. And I really think that it's through that repair process. It's actually being a C is the goal for being a parent. And that when you do mess up, showing our kids that we're not perfect. So can you talk about just what repairing can do? What does that look like and why we should be doing it? Yeah. I mean, there's so much uh, research on attachment and people get really stuck on that. But so much of healthy attachment and healthy relationships is about repair. And like without the ruptures, there is no opportunity for repair. And when you have ruptures and repair, you get a stronger foundation. So in fact, it's crucial for relationships to have those moments of rupture so that you can have repair. And repair is simply acknowledging what happened, either verbally or non-verbally, because for some people, you don't need to have a whole conversation every time. You can just like sit next to each other, grab a leg, and everybody kind of feels the nervous system and all is well and you move on. And sometimes you explicitly state like, hey, I got really angry and lost my cool before. That didn't feel good for either of us. And I'm really sorry. And I'm working on, you know, whatever it is that you're working on so that I can tell you what I need in a different voice or whatever it is. But it's so repair and rupture and repair is so minor and tiny. It's not like big brawls. It's really just those little moments of disconnect and reconnect and disconnect and reconnect that we all go through. And unless you're in a lab, you're not aware of it. You're not like clicking a timer and writing about it in an observation. But that is what's been done before. And it really is those tiny little moments. Maybe you got a bid for attention and you didn't turn around or, you know, and then later you got another bid for attention and you said, you know, earlier I couldn't pay attention to and right now I'm right here with you. Tell me about your day or whatever it is, those little tiny things. And again, it could be nonverbal. It could just be the difference between putting your phone down and not putting your phone down. And so one time you don't put it down when your child is tugging at you. And the next time you put it down and you say, I noticed you wanted to talk to me. Let me put my phone down before I sit down with you so that I can really focus. And so in your head, you're repairing. They don't need a whole conversation. We had a rupture. Now we're repairing. But (laughs) over time, there are these little pieces that just get into their DNA in that way. And then, of course, as kids get older, just like in adult relationships, you have to be a little bit more explicit about it. But sometimes teenagers don't want to talk. They want to roll their eyes. And so you just, you know that you have a laugh, like a a good laugh together. And you know there's a repair because the repair just means, hey, I'm not going anywhere. We're good. Mm -hmm. That was just a moment. That's all. They just need to know that just like in any relationship. And that way you grow up. And if you didn't have any rupture and repair, you'd have a rupture like everybody does and have a total 
panic that that is the end of whatever that relationship is, that friendship or romantic, because you had no experience having those little minor, very normal ups and downs in your day. Mm-hmm. That is definitely a motto in our family. And even yesterday we were driving. Well, I took them all to the pediatrician. I had to run to an appointment before I took one of my kids to horseback riding. And so I was like, I've got to go do this. And so I had our nanny pick them up. And they were all very content with her. And so I just kind of like skipped out without <laughs> saying bye. And I was like, should I say bye? You know, you kind of debate in your head, is it worth it? Is it worth the big blow up? They might not even blow up. They might just say bye, mom. But I was like, I'm just going to run because then it, if I have to just like argue over this, it's going to be, I'm going to be even more late. So I just left. And then she saw my car leave and she was just melting down in the parking lot with all the kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, I should have said bye. And so later on the way to horseback riding, I was like, just kind of in passing in the car. I was like, oh, Liv, I'm so sorry. I didn't say bye to you. I, I should have communicated that I was leaving. And, you know, it was a very quick conversation. And she said, thanks, mom. And I don't know if it was that, but for the rest of the day, she kept looking at me and I swear she was like the sweetest little angel. And she kept looking at me like, I love you, mom. And (laughs) seriously, three times yesterday afternoon, just looked at me out of the blue and said that, and it could have been coincidence, but I was like, gosh, I feel like even that little repair made such a difference. I bet it does. I think those moments, especially because you acknowledge something that Mm -hmm. just separately is so important, which is you left without saying goodbye. That must've been really hard on Olivia. And then you named it for her so that she didn't have to wonder if she was a weirdo for being upset that you didn't say goodbye. And you named it for her so that she could then go like, oh, thank you. You noticed, you saw that that was hard for me and you said something. And that is so important and wonderful. And it probably is, who knows if it's related to why she was looking at you. I'm so jealous because my children do not do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to soak it up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, sweet. The other thing I've just been noticing is that I would say that Bryce may be that he's starting to criticize himself. It's almost like he'll drop something on the ground and he'll be like, oh, I made a mistake. And I don't necessarily know if that's criticism yet, but I can see where that's kind of going. He's young, he's three years old. But when our kids criticize that or themselves, what do we do? That's a really good question. So I think the thing that we want to do is to argue with them when they criticize themselves because yeah. they're criticizing the precious human that we are raising. And we're like, why would you talk to your, about yourself like that? And you're wrong and wonderful and amazing. But in that moment, if you can mirror back to them what they criticized, you feel like you messed up because you dropped something. And then you're acknowledging it at least and letting them notice how they feel. And then you can go to, you know what? You picked it up and now it's not on the ground anymore. So they can, you're kind of pointing out after you've acknowledged what they're feeling, you're just observing. Again, it it goes back to kind of a little less judgment, even when the judgment is positive, so that they can work on the skill of just making observations and and not giving such 
a heavy weight to them in like, you're not amazing and you're not awful. You're just picking up a piece of trash from the ground. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and so practicing just when they say something hard on themselves, really acknowledging that you notice that that's how they're feeling, mirroring the language back to them and then going from there, depending on what it is, either pointing out, you know, so what would you like to do now? Or, oh, but I noticed you did this. Or sometimes it just is being quiet and just knowing that they feel like they'd messed up and, and all you did was say, yeah, you feel like you messed up right now. And they just needed that. And then they can move on. And what about the saying like, and mistakes happen? Is that kind of putting the Band-Aid too much for them? Like, is it? I think sometimes it's nice to have little mottos around the house. And so and mistakes happen can be one of them you know, or Beautiful Oops is one of my favorite books and making a beautiful oops with anything, you know, just like finding what came from that mistake and what was the learning opportunity with the caveat that anytime you give too many of those little lessons, you're annoying. (laughs) 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 And so I like, I think there are great scripts, but at a certain point you can only use them so many times before your kids are like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) yet because I like say yet all the time like you can't get it right yet and I definitely like drill that into my kids but at a certain point you have to go off script and just you know let them just sit in it and acknowledge it because they're going to be like and mistakes happen but also (laughs) I think you have there's space for that because your voice is still even when they're annoyed or even when they're not looking for a solution they hear your voice and they'll remember it. So if you pick and choose the times, it's just not all the time. And it's just more, if you know yourself, like some parents don't say anything ever and maybe they need to work on some family mottos and some things to say in response. And some parents always have a great teachable moment and they're always ready with a solution. And if you're that, if you bend in that direction, like I'm probably, my natural state would bend that way. So I do a lot of tongue biting and that's just like knowing yourself. Am I the person who needs to bite my tongue or do I need to push myself to say more? And it really just depends on the person and the parent and the kid. Mm-hmm. That was a wimpy answer. <laughs> no, that was great. That was it wasn't a wimpy answer at all. It made me laugh. Well, I guess our last question is just the best advice you've been given or that you've learned recently that you would like to share with our listeners and us. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, I definitely think doing less and being more intentional in your quiet is probably, especially for those of us who are choosing to think consciously about our parenting, we're probably saying plenty. So I'm, I feel like a lot of the mindfulness work that I do, the teachers give me a lot of inspiration to, to just focus on our nervous system, not what we're saying. And I'm such a neck up person, like a head. Mm -hmm. I could be like a headless, I mean, not a headless, a a bodiless head in that (laughs) I feel like I could talk all day with my kids and, you know, (laughs) but there's something to just like pausing and just being with them and not worrying about saying the right things and doing the right things that is important for all of us. 
Mm-hmm. That's just been what I've been thinking about recently. That's great advice. Probably exactly what we all need to hear right now when we're all just overthinking everything. I think there's a lot of overthinking everything. Every moment is not the moment. Yeah. And you can still be grateful and present and also acknowledge that sometimes you're just peeling a potato. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel so rejuvenated from this conversation. So I know all of our listeners will as well. And thank you as always. You are just so incredible. Thank you so much for having me. And you guys are so nice. And I wish I could have little children to snuggle and hug. And then I remember how hard it is. And maybe you'll just send pictures. (laughs) (laughs) We'll send you pictures. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box you can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you. And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.